What is going on, everybody? We're back with the Coach's Corner. I am Justin, joined as always with my guy, Caleb. What's going on? Oh, when it's been a long day and all you want to do is sit back and you don't want to think about COVID-19, you don't want to think about work, you don't want to think about school, just hop on here. You know we're going to talk about all the fun stuff in the NFL, all the play calls and everything you want. So hopefully we got another good one lined up for you all today. Yeah, it is definitely a, a nice break and a nice getaway from everything that's been going on. It's been crazy out there, obviously, and I think we do got a good one today because today we are going to be talking about who we think the five best teams in the AFC are. So we're going to go right from top to bottom, one through five. We're going to each give our opinion, which I'm looking at our lists here. We got a little bit of a difference, but at the top, I think we got a consensus. No, absolutely and the number one team, in my opinion, and I think pretty much the entire opinion of the NFL heading into the 2020 season, will be the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, why is that? Well, for starters, no one has any idea what's going on with COVID-19, and continue, continuity right now is going to be absolutely key. Guess what? Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid, this will be now all there Third season is like full-time guys with Mahomes. This will be his third full-time season with this cast of guys coming in. I think that's going to make a huge difference just based on the chemistry that they were in. I mean, we've seen little snippets of them working out in uh, Kansas City. I think that's going to play a key role. And I also think that the defense takes a big step forward under Spags this year. I think you just hit the nail on the head with with the continuity part, right? So they're bringing back so many returning starters. Wisniewski and Ragnar are the only guys not coming back that started in the Super Bowl. They're getting the, the main piece back in Patrick Mahomes, and if he's healthy for all 16 games in the regular season, which he wasn't last year, and I think few people forget that. I know we saw the the knee, obviously, and everybody remembers that. But he also, you know, he had some ankle stuff. He had a lot of stuff going on through the middle of the season, and he still played tremendous. And then we saw Mahomes get back to what he is in the playoff run and just dominate. And I, I honestly think if he's healthy, you could see a record-setting year. And it, it, part of it is due because of his greatness. Part of it is due because of Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy in the offense. And part of it is because teams aren't going to be together as long as they normally are, and they're not going to be able to prep on the field uh, like they normally are. And I think they're going to seriously take advantage of it offensively because they're just, they know what they're doing already and they're just going to add wrinkles. No, the offense is just going to be picking up. What really gets me excited about the chiefs this year. We know the offense is going to be good. I mean, they've, those guys have been in the system. They've added Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. This team's very much, this team is very similar to the team last year, except for one thing. I think they've gotten better defensively as a football team from where they were last year to where they are now, whether it be them bringing back a key contributor along the defensive line like Mike Pinnell or even drafting a guy like Willie Gay Jr., who I think we are both expecting to step in there and play big reps early. They have added more talent over the course of the last year. Chris Jones is going to be back. I have a strong feeling about that. I don't, Justin, I don't know what you think on the Chris Jones thing. I think it's too late to be for a team's for another team to be able to want to pick him up right now, especially when they don't know how the season's gonna go, especially with COVID. So I think Chris Jones is almost for sure to be a chief. 
I think he excels. I think we see a lot more play calling and diversity from Spagnola as far as blitz looks go. And I think that Tyron Matthew in the secondary takes his next evolution as the leader of the team, as not only just a leader of the team and kind of that X factor for Spags on the defense to do everything, I think we see him become a face of the NFL as far as defensive play goes this season. So I'm really looking forward to the defense. I'm really looking forward to the offense. It's the same team as a year ago. They have the same two glaring issues they did last year, cornerback play, which can be addressed by how excellent the safety play is looking to be, or also, and also the offensive line is still some questions there. Andy Reid will scheme his way around it. It's going to be a good time. Absolutely. And I, at 100%, I think Chris Jones is going to be playing for the Chiefs this year. I think he's going to play on the tag. And I think you, you said it. It's just, it's so late in the, in the game right now for a trade, for anything like that to happen. And they've, both sides have, have openly said they want to, they want to get something done to keep him in Kansas City. And I, I tend to, to believe him in that. And as far as defense, it's funny you talk about the cornerback being the same issue as last year. And it really was. But when you looked at what they did defensively, they really, struggled as a unit early in the year and then like midway through you could start to see like okay it's starting to click for everybody everybody's starting to pick up the system and then they played phenomenal down the stretch I think that's one of the thing that things that kind of gets overlooked because the Chiefs had all those comebacks in the playoffs and the comeback in the Super Bowl and everything but people don't realize how good that defensive actually played down the stretch they were holding teams under 20 points they actually finished in the top half um, of all defenses in, in DVOA on football outsiders, which if you don't know what that is, go take a look at it. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, we talk a lot about film and stuff here, but there's obviously a place for from some analytics as well. So, but th- th- they're really good. And I'm, I, I think you're right. I think the defense could surprise some people next year, but let's keep moving forward on our list. Let's go to the number two team. Who do you got, Caleb? So for my number two team, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. and. Quite simply, I think they're very much in the same position they were last season as they will be this season. I think their continuity is also going to help them. And I think that having the MVP of the NFL, Lamar Jackson, on their team is going to be enough for them to be able to run the same type of things they did last year without having teams really be able to get together and find ways to stop them in the offseason. But you look with everything Lamar Jackson has around him on the offensive side of the football. They lost Marshall Yonda to retirement. They drafted Ben Brindison in the fourth round. He's going to be a day one starter. And they also drafted J.K. Dobbins as well as having Mark Ingram. And they probably have the best overall group of tight ends slash fullbacks in the NFL. They have Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, Patrick Ricard, and Nick Boyle. Those guys are all versatile guys that can either line up with their hand in the dirt in the backfield, line up on the line of scrimmage, and they're really going to use those guys a lot, like much like they did last year in the passing game. And, you know, there's a lot of debate whether Lamar will develop as a passer or not. Guys, the way those guys play smash-mouth football, there's probably only a couple of teams in the league that are going to have the ability to stop the run. So they're still going to be a very competitive ball team. I think... Their matchup versus the Chiefs this year is what's going to end up deciding the one overall seed, and it's going to be more of the same with their RPO game. And also they have probably two of the best tackles in the NFL 
Ronnie Stanley, who was a first-team All-Pro, and Orlando Brown Jr., they'll both be back. Those guys are bookends. I think it's going to be another high record for the Baltimore Ravens this year. I can see them going anywhere around 13-3 and three or so, and I'm thinking that they will be the, the biggest threat to the Chiefs for the one seed this year. Yeah, I'm not gonna debate too much on that with it because I have the the Chiefs or the Ravens in the second spot behind the Chiefs as well. Um, I think that one of the things that maybe gets talked about some, but may probably not even enough, is just how good of a coach uh, John Harbaugh is. You you look what he did with that offense, where he basically took it completely, revamped it to fit the the skill sets of Lamar Jackson and really highlight what his best attributes were which is he's a phenomenal athlete now he's he's a good passer he's not a great passer okay he does need to develop and you touched on that a little bit but that's not who they want to be the issue is is that if they do get behind they have struggled now and if you if you take a look at my twitter um account i i went through a game against the buffalo bills who probably played him in the Ravens better than any other team did the entire year on the defensive side of the ball in the regular season. Um, and, and they really slowed him down. They really gave him fits. Um, they did a great job containing the run and they forced him to try to make throws. And he struggled with it a little bit. His, his accuracy tends to get a little wayward at times. And that's tough. If you, if you're getting then your main thing taken away, you got to be able to win from the pocket in the NFL still. And he, he'll develop. I think, I think he has a chance to, um, for sure. But, you know, the other side of the ball for the Ravens is just as good as the offense, right? Uh, Wink Martindale over there, the defensive coordinator, he's got those guys going. I, I remember when the Chiefs were playing them and just praying that Mahomes wasn't going to kill every time he, he dropped back for a pass because they're getting pass rush and they have great cover guys, which allow them to send pressures and send exotic blitzes. Um, you know, Marcus Peters, that's a name that everybody in Chiefs Kingdom recognizes. He's still out there and probably playing just as good as any quarterback in the NFL. And then you got Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith, who are two underrated guys. Humphrey is one of the best slot corners in football right now out of the University of Alabama. So they're 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 going to keep rolling. They're a very good football team. They're a great coached football team. And I touched about analytics just a second ago. And and a coach that's really embraced analytics as much as anybody is John Harbaugh. You see how much he goes for it on fourth down. He really uses it because he knows the offense that they run with that style, that zone type read stuff being able to you know run the ball with Lamar Jackson he knows that he's got a great opportunity to get those short yard situations and one of the plays that I highlighted on my on my Twitter thread and my Twitter feed there was just there's just a nightmare in short yardage because of Jackson's ability to run right and they do an awesome job of motioning guys um as good as anybody in the NFL, really, them, the Chiefs and the 49ers run more pre-stat motion than anybody in the NFL, and it gets defenses moving. It helps quarterbacks identify stuff. And when you get defenders' eyes going all over the place, it makes it a lot easier to run all these type quarterback keeps. And you'll see the play on the Twitter thread. They fake a jet sweep, and then they fake inside zone, and then he's booting out to the right, and the defender comes to Jackson because he's such a threat to run, and he just dumps it over his head for an easy touchdown. So they're a nightmare in short yardage, and, and Harbaugh really takes that um, advantage of that on those fourth down situations. If we keep moving down, though, after Baltimore, who you got for the third team? Third team, you know, I already had this team high, but last night kind of gave me the confidence I needed to move them up higher. I'm going number three. I'm going the New England Patriots. 
and I understand how this might be an unpopular pick for some, but before I get too much into the move they made last night to bring Cam Newton to Boston to New England, let's take a look back at the friendship that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban or the history they have meeting together. Nick Saban used to be a fairly pro-style coach. If you remember his early days at Alabama, some of those Greg McElroy quarterback teams were fairly pro-style under center, and they honestly did a lot of things like that. Now you fast forward to the last couple of seasons, we've seen Jalen Hurts and Tua Tonga-Lavoas to just kind of show how as the position's evolving, coaches are evolving the kinds of things they can do. Well, now I think we're going to see this in the NFL because I know everyone says Bill Belichick does have a system. Bill Belichick does have a system, and it's it's play great defense and find enough ways to score enough points on offense to be successful. The Patriots have this exact formula. Their defense will be top five again. I don't doubt it will be. Their secondary is too good with Gilliard, the McCourtney's. Uh, I think their linebacker play is going to be solid. They're just going to be a – I mean, it's a Belichick coach team. They're going to be a good defensive front. They're going to know when to bring the pressure. They're going to disguise their coverage as well. You know, they got that interception off of Mahomes. But now we go back over to the offensive side of the ball where Belichick, while Tom Brady has often got the accolades, really the Patriots have been a conservative power football team as far as scheme goes. They run a lot of power option, or they run a lot of, they've ran in the past a lot of power, counter, trap, zone, iso. We're going to see these same kinds of plays, but just out of different formations. Why? I think they're going to utilize Cam Newton's ability to run the ball because he's a big, strong guy now. And before we get into the injuries, I did find this morning between all of Cam Newton's college college rushing yards, NFL rushing yards, and NFL playoff rushing yards, he has over 7,000 career yards, which for most backs, that's more than they'll ever get before injury starts to set in. And then you also have to think about the uh, extra hits that you take playing the quarterback position. Now that I've, but now that I've been able to address these injuries, I'm also going to say this: there is no way Bill Belichick would go after Cam Newton if Cam Newton wasn't a hundred percent ready to play football. Why did Carolina release him? They're in total rebuild mode right now. Matt Rule wants to start his own thing down there. He's trying to, to he's trying to tear that down to build it back up. Bill Belichick might not have long left. Cam Newton might not have long left either. I think they're going to both try to get the most out of each other for whatever time they do have left because Cam does have that wear and Belichick's aging. But look at what Belichick has done, though, in the history of the moves he's made. When does he ever go out and sign a 31-year-old player with massive injury issues? Doesn't happen. You know, Belichick's going to be the guy that's going to release a younger player who's still in this prime but looks like he's set for a big decline. He'll be the guy to cut him a year early rather than a year late. So I think that he has to have some supreme confidence. I also think that the uh, having Newton's going to help the Patriots with their really their biggest issue on offense last year was being able to protect Tom Brady and give him time. I think that Cam's going to be mobile enough to help that line up front. I think they're going to run a lot of RPOs. They're going to get the ball out of his hand quick. So I think they're my third best team. I don't think that any team in the AFC East has shown me enough that they're going to be able to overcome Belichick. And I think that Cam Newton is going to surprise a lot of people. 
Okay, so I'm going to give you my three and four team here because this is our first a little bit of a disagreement here. So for my third team, I actually have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and at fourth I have the New England Patriots. And I have the Patriots for pretty much all the same reasons you do. One, they still have Bill Belichick, who is, by all accounts, the, the greatest coach in NFL history. There's, you got the whole cheating stuff. That is what it is. The guy is a phenomenal football coach and knows more football than probably you and me will ever have known our entire lives combined. But that's neither here nor there. I'll go with Steelers first. So the Steelers, this is probably a surprise to some people, but I'll tell you why. Last year, the Pittsburgh Steelers went 8-8 eight and eight with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. Now, they weren't good. Like, to be nice, they weren't good, okay? After they traded for Mika Fitzpatrick, that defense completely changed and completely balled out. They were amazing all year. They finished third in DVOA for total defense, just behind the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. They bring everybody back pretty much from that defense. They're going to be just as good as they were last year. If they just get an 80% healthy Ben Roethlisberger, this team is going to win football games, right? They're, they have explosive playmakers on the outside. Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm sure every fantasy owner out there wants to just throw their hands up and scream because he had such a terrible year, but he had literally no one throwing them the ball. They also have Deontay Johnson, who I think could be set up for a, uh, for a massive year in Pittsburgh. He, he's a guy out of Toledo who is a, an extreme playmaker, a super good football player. Um, they still have James Washington, who people were very high on out of Oklahoma State, and James Conner, who James Conner is, you know, he's had his injuries in the past. But, again, if you have Ben Roethlisberger be, being a little bit of what he used to be, now he's got to be healthy. If he's not healthy, this team is an 8-8 eight eight football team, just like they were last year, right? They'll get by because Tomlin's a good coach. They'll play great defense. They'll win some close games, probably some games they shouldn't. They'll probably lose some games they shouldn't. But if Ben is healthy, this team is going to compete in the AFC, and, and I, I would not be surprised to see them in the playoffs. You know, I thought about putting the Steelers on here for all the reasons you just mentioned, but they're getting older offensively, and we kind of saw like how they perform without their big three they've had for the last five years, with which being like a Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, and Roethlisberger, I understand they were gutted. I think that a 38-year-old Roethlisberger who might not be in shape right now and who COVID might have hurt as far as maybe rehabbing and getting back into game shape, I think this is really going to hurt him. I don't see him being anywhere close to the same play he was. I think there's more bad quarterback play. And, you know, Smith Schuster showed a lot of flash in his rookie season. Well, what are we going to see now without arguably the best receiver in the NFL and also a complete nutcase, which is Antonio Brown, on his team? So he's going to have to prove to everybody that he can be the number one guy there for them to succeed. Um, you know, their defense, I can see them finishing about 8-8. Eight and eight. I just think that there's teams with better offenses to overcome their defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, and I think all those arguments are totally fair. And I think that that's why the big thing is, is it just their season hinges on on Ben Roethlisberger. If he's healthy, if he can be effective again, um, I think they have a chance to win. Now, I want to ask you a question. Now, we both have 
the Patriots in our top five. But one of the media darlings for this entire offseason has been the Buffalo Bills. Everybody's talking about the Buffalo Bills are going to unseat the New England Patriots. They're going to be the team to look out for in the AFC East. You know, McDermott and Brandon Bean up in Buffalo, up, up by where I'm living, up in my country. That's what everybody's talking about. It's playoff time. It's Josh Allen to see if he takes this next step, they're going to be the team. Where are the Buffalo Bills coming in at? The Buffalo Bills did not make my top five football teams, and there's a very simple reason why. They got a good defense, yes. Got a good coach, yes. Is their division somewhat wide open for maybe the first time in the last 20 years? Yes. Is Josh Allen still their quarterback? Yes, he is. And Josh Allen is nowhere near a complete quarterback right now. The last time we saw Josh Allen play football competitively, he lateraled the ball behind him to nobody in a playoff football game, what I believe was the fourth quarter, which could have turned his team the ball over and lost them the game even sooner than they already should have. Not having an offseason this year is definitely hurt him, if not just for the chemistry he's going to have with his guys, but also teaching him how to play the quarterback. There's, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You coach quarterbacks. There's a lot more than being big and tall and strong and being able to jump over people and throw it 70 yards downfield. And, oh, I could throw it all that far. Okay, can you complete anything underneath? Can you put some accuracy on something? Can you pick up a blitz? There's times I'm watching him play in that playoff game against the Texans and he's just not calling out blitzes and offensive lines getting confused because they're going to the right side and he's not picking up on this stuff. I think the Buffalo Bills have a great setup around him. They just traded for Stephon Diggs. Well, we'll see what Stephon Diggs thinks when he gets a couple of those Allen overthrows. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be too happy. Um, if he if he was worried about Kirk Cousins being his quarterback, he's not going to like what he sees of Josh Allen. I think half the time, he you know, and that's the thing. The Bills the Bills are built the way that they should have been. They started with the defense and the offensive line. They didn't reach on a quarterback. They waited and then they thought they got their guy. I just think that they got the wrong guy, right? They they took the time to build up the roster around them. They, now they've given them weapons. They traded for the number one guy. And, and if Allen takes a huge step forward this year as a passer, then I guess I'll eat crow. But my the biggest thing is accuracy and mental processing are two things that are very difficult to teach in quarterbacks. And like Mike Lombardi actually just said how that's the biggest hole right now on the Bills roster. And that if you put like a Deshaun Watson in the, in the Bills team, they're probably competing for a Super Bowl. But the problem is, is Deshaun Watson is in Houston right now playing for the Texans, right? Accuracy is something that is very difficult to teach. And it's probably the most critical aspect of quarterback play. You have to be able to fit the ball in windows. And when it's third and 10 and everybody's dropping in coverage, are you going to be able to put the ball in the windows and understand where the defense is dropping? I mean, you're just going to have to be able to do that. When the chips are down, when the shit is hitting the fan, are you going to be able to know and practice enough and know your mental processing and taking enough reps to say, okay, this is what they're doing. This is what we're doing. This is where I know need to go to the, with the football. Because, it, like you referenced that Texans game, in the biggest moment of the year, he didn't do it. He couldn't do it. He collapsed. He, he got worse as the game went on. When the, when the stakes got higher, he got worse, right? Whereas somebody like the super elite quarterbacks, like a Patrick Mahomes, when the chips are highest and the shit's hitting the fan, he plays his best. They're down 24 nothing. He's out there telling his guys, let's go be great. They're going to be talking about this forever. In the Super Bowl, they're down. He knows the situation, third and 15. Hey, coach, we got time to run Wasp. 
And not only does he know what play to run before the coach even calls it, he also knows to take a 14-yard drop to give Tyreek Hill time to throw him the ball, and he throws him open as he's getting hit. <laughs> like, this is the big difference between, you know, the great quarterbacks and, like, Allen Sealin, I don't know. He, he I don't think his ceiling is any more than a bottom eight-ish quarterback in the NFL. Now, could he get lucky? Could they get lucky and put everything together for a year and make a little bit of a run in the playoffs? Sure. You see it sometimes, you know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. They had an elite defense, maybe. NFL's a little different now than it was back then, though, so I can't see that happening. No, and the game's just changed so much. You know, I thought it was interesting. You talked about how accuracy and mental processing are the most important things for quarterback play. When it comes to offensive line play, I think that the two most important things that you cannot teach are physicality and the ability to finish. And when I think of physicality and the ability to finish, I think of one team, a team that I know probably gave some Chiefs fans like myself nightmares leading up to the AFC Championship game. But I am going to talk about the Tennessee Titans because I don't think a lot of people have really given them their due this offseason as being real contenders. I hate to break to you guys. They are a legit ball club right now, and they are going to have a lot of pieces coming back, and they've also added through the draft also. I mean, let's start with obviously the big thing they have up front. Well, they have a really good offensive line, and they have a very, very, very talented league-leading rusher in Derrick Henry, who I think – If anybody here has ever watched the Chiefs game in the last three seasons, there is one thing we can tell you. It is that Derrick Henry had absolutely dominated the Chiefs leading up to the AFC Championship game this past season, which made it close. They lost Jack Conklin, who is probably one of the better right tackles in football. Well, they draft Isaiah Wilson, a guy who I think they're going to help him out in the pass game. But these guys are going to try to line up and run the ball about 40 times a game. And also they added Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU, who I really liked. He's a guy I was thinking the Chiefs might consider drafting. And then you look at who their head coach is. Their head coach is Mike Vrabel. He's a disciple of Belichick. He gave Belichick the business. He gave the Ravens the business. And he just couldn't get past the Kansas City Chiefs team. Now, This team does have an issue, and that might be Ryan Tannehill, who played well last year, enough to earn a contract extension this offseason. Is he the man, though, or did they prematurely pay him? That's the interesting thing that I think is going to have to be addressed. But really, when you look at it, they're starting to build a solid core to be able to run the play action off of as well as run the passing game. A.J. Brown, not a lot of people know about him. He could be an emerging star in this NFL, and I think they have other really good options around him and guys like Adam Humphrey and Corey Davis. And then back to the big boys up front, Taylor Luan, he's going to be a pro bowler, Roger Saffold III, and Ben Jones. Those are some really good offensive linemen. I think that they're going to be a lot like the Patriots defensively for the next couple seasons, but their whole thing is they're going to try to just line up and beat people up. They're going to... Derrick Henry is probably going to lead the league in rushing again this year. I would assume so because I think they're going to run the ball 30-plus times a game. I think they didn't get the respect they deserve, but I think it's all going to hinge on whether Tannehill 
can take another step forward or whether he goes back to being that average Tannehill we saw in Miami. Yeah, that's the big question is whether or not he can continue to develop, right? Because he came in and he was not even the starter for the Titans and then finally took over midway through the season. And that's when you really saw that team take a huge step forward is when he when he uh, jumped in at, at the starting quarterback position. But like you said, they, they've really done a tr- tremendous job kind of building. And they're kind of similar to the Bills that we just talked about in the way that they built their team. They got a really solid um, defensive unit, you know, they lost Jarrell Casey, who is now with the with the Broncos in the Chiefs division up front, but they still have a, a super good front. They have athletic linebackers. Rashawn Evans, super athletic. Yeah, he was the one that returned the fumble um, when they were in Tennessee against the Chiefs. He returned that for a touchdown, right? And like you said, their secondary, they just added Christian Fulton, and they added that to an already super talented secondary with Dory Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro and Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard might be one of the most underrated players that really nobody even talks about, and he's probably one of the best safeties in the NFL. Um, he's paid like it for sure. I think he's the second highest paid safety in the NFL behind Eddie Jackson at this point. Never deservedly so. The guy's a great, great football player. And like you said, the whole, the whole thing for the Titans is it runs off that wide zone run game scheme. Can those big guys up front get guys moving? And then they run the play action, and they and they get Tannehill moving, and that's he, Tannehill's really set up perfectly for this offense for his skill set. He's an athletic guy. He actually played wide receiver at Texas A and M before getting moved to quarterback. You know, he unfortunately went to the Dolphins, where Adam Gase was his quarterback, and and we see how that's going right now for the, for the Jets. I'm sure that they are not happy about having Gase there. You know, helping Sam Darnold learn, but. You know, running that wide zone with an athletic quarterback who you can run boots off of, who gets play action. He's efficient in the deep passing game. If they can, if they can stay efficient on the offensive end, you're definitely going to be able to see them be a good football team and continue to continue to compete. That's what they did last year. I think they shocked a few people last year by taking out the Patriots and the Ravens, but that was a good football team. And they have somebody else too that you know you mentioned. A.J. Brown, and they men, you mentioned Corey Davis, they had Humphreys, and they got Jonu Smith, who I think is is going to be somebody that it could end up being a super standout at tight end. Um, super athletic guy. He, he You watch some of his highlights and some of the film on him. They're actually lining him up at fullback and tailback and giving him the ball. He's so athletic. So he's he's a versatile weapon, That you know, one of those mismatch guys in a similar sense to Kelsey where you can line up on the outside, you can line up in line, you can move him, you can motion him can line up at fullback and run wheel routes out out of the backfield as a fullback off of their play action game. So he's a versatile weapon, nice chess piece for him to have on the offensive side of the ball. And that's my fifth team. My fifth team is the Titans just as well. So why don't you finish finish us off with your list? Who you got at number five? Well, the team I have at number five, I know a lot of people were really high on last year at this time. Some maybe even predicting them to be the best team in football. While they underperformed dramatically, I have them as my number five best team for a particular set of reasons, which might not be so obvious. This team I've picked number five is the Cleveland Browns, who were last year's media darling. Now, people might be thinking, why did I choose them? Because when you think about the Browns, you think about Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. and kind of some of the drama that surrounds them and the attention those guys get. Throw those guys out. Let's take a look at what they have around them. They have two guys who could each potentially lead the league in rushing that are going to play running backs for them, 
And I think they find a way to get them both on the field at once. That's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Chiefs fans, I don't need to go into what Kareem Hunt did, what Kareem Hunt could do on a football field. We all know about that. The off-field stuff, still some question marks arising with some of that stuff we've seen. Nick Chubb is a certified superstar right now in the NFL. He didn't hardly get his due, and up until the last week of the season last year, he was leading the league in rushing on a very, very bad Cleveland Browns team with a poor head coach in Freddie Kitchens. Offensive line was horrible last year in Cleveland. How do they address that? They go out and pay Jack Conklin, get him away from a contender in Tennessee to come play right tackle for them. And they draft Jedrick Wills, who I had rated as the third best offensive tackle in the draft. They pick him up in the top 10. They also, on the inside, have a guy named Joel Batonio, who's been a very underrated player since his time in Cleveland. They also have J.C. Treader, who I think is going to be another. He's always going to be a consistent guy in there at center. Oh, well, now what else do they have? Well, then we can start looking at, okay, wide out, they have Jarvis Landry, and they have Odell Beckham Jr. There should be something there for somebody to work with. Well, who do they have tied in? Oh, well, they're going to have David Njoku and Austin Hooper. So now you start looking at this, huh? These guys have two of everything between their tight ends, running backs, and receivers that are really good. So who does it all hinge on? It's all going to hinge on Baker Mayfield. But more specifically, it's going to hinge on what kind of coaching he takes from Kevin Stefanski. We saw time in, time out last year, the media games, Baker wanted to play, him versus Freddie, whatever was going on. I don't know about any of it. Baker Mayfield, he's got an attitude problem. I think he's got a coaching problem. I don't know. People said coming out there saying, oh, he's just confident. No, he's cocky and he was arrogant coming out of college and he accomplished nothing so far his first two seasons in the NFL. Kevin Stefanski was a really good offensive coordinator last year. He found excellent ways to utilize the talent that they had on the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins. He found a way to manage him into being more than a game manager almost, while also at the same time being able to feed Dalvin Cook, provide Stephon Diggs with targets, provide Adam Thielen with targets, and also provide provide Rudolph, Rudolph with targets there also. So why is this going to be interesting? If he can find a way to break through whatever barrier it is that Baker's had in the first few years, these guys could be successful. They have built up an offense that's going to be able to compete with week in and week out to win them the games. They're also not bad defensively because I think I look at it, Miles Garrett could have 20 sacks this season. Um, I really like their pickup. In the second round of Grant Delpit, he's a guy who I thought might secretly be under the Chiefs radar. Jordan Elliott was another guy who I thought from watching his film coming out of North Carolina, it is, I believe, he was a guy that I looked at and I said, he's a little bit undersized to be playing defensive tackle. He's so quick. He's almost like it's poor. It's a poor comparison, at least talent-wise, but the way he plays, he's kind of like a poor man's Aaron Donald as far as his size and quickness. I think him combined on that defensive front with Sheldon Richardson, Garrett, and then also just looking back in there, I think Denzel Ward is an outstanding player. I think Greedy Williams is another guy. I think this team literally has all the pieces. The only question is, can they not browns it up can they go anti-Cleveland and actually take a step forward, 
make the playoffs and compete. I think that's a good point. You never want to go full Browns. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, but that you know, and, I, that's a super interesting, super interesting, not to cut you off, sorry. It's a super interesting point because you're right. It's interesting to see how high everybody was on them last year and all the talent they had. And then now a little bit of a change where I think a lot of the issues came from Freddie Kitchens. Everybody was very buddy-buddy in there. There was no real true discipline. Like, Fancy's going to have to come in and be a leader. And if he can, I think you're right. There's a lot of pieces there. Here's the thing I think of from my point of view, though. This team had a glaring issue that John Dorsey did not address last season, and that was the offensive line. They are significant. I think the Browns right now are better than they were at any given point last year before we even take the field just by adding a guy like Jack Conklin, who has some very – he's going to be a very Mitchell Schwartz-like player. I don't think he'll ever come close to the ability that we saw Schwartz play with this last season – But he's going to be a guy that never gets his due, but is always going to be one of the top linemen for the right tackle position. Jedrick Wills has a boatload of potential just based on his athletic gifts. So I think that having that offensive line is really going to help him. And I think they made some excellent picks this year in the draft for their future guys who are going to come in right away. They got the hype last year because of their names. I think that they're going to start to get hyped up once the season gets going because of the substance that we're going to see on the field from them. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. You know, as a quarterback goes, you can't throw, can't make throws from your backside, and you got to protect those guys. And I think that they will. They they made an effort to improve the offensive line, and they'll be definitely be better than they were last year. So the last thing we'll do here as we wrap up is I'm going to give you the last two teams who I think are just going to round out my seven playoff teams right now for the AFC. Now, obviously, things can change. This is the end of June. We're not even to July yet. We haven't even had a real. OTA in person. Yeah. Everything's virtual guys are getting together without coaches, whether they should be or not. Um, but my last two playoff teams as of right now are those Buffalo bills that I talked about earlier. And the, the main reason there, and I'll just keep this short because we kind of touched on them is because Sean McDermott, he's a phenomenal football coach. I think, you know, he talks about process and culture and all that stuff. And I think that he's true to it. I don't think it's just, you know, window dressing I think he he means that stuff and he's built a great roster and if if Allen is even same as he was last year I think they're they're a playoff team just like they were this past year and then the last playoff team I have sneaking into the seventh spot is the Denver Denver Broncos and really I think that's because if Drew Locke can play now his stats weren't great towards the end of the year but he played well and you saw as soon as he was inserted into that lineup that team played with a little bit more juice played with a little bit extra and I still think that Vic Fangio can can call a defense that guy knows defensive football he now he lost Chris Harris which is going to hurt him a little bit but I still think that I think they're going to be a very improved team and they're my sneaky pick and they have been for a little while now um to make the playoffs what do you what about you Caleb so for my last two teams I'm going to roll with the Houston Texans, and I know they have B.O.B. They got some issues on the defense, and they have a lot of other things. They have a winner playing quarterback for them, and that winner is Deshaun Watson. I think that he'll take a tremendous step forward, and we're here in the beginning of early on in the early season, what we're getting ready to, it seems like all the MVP talk is going to be for Mahomes and Lamar and Russell Wilson. 
wait for Deshaun Watson because I think he's going to be in that conversation despite DeAndre Hopkins getting traded away. I still just think that they're going to be able to put something together because I think they got better passing the ball. They still have some weapons there. I think he takes a huge step forward this year, though, as a player and kind of will be able to overcome some of the offseason stuff that B.O.B., Bill O'Brien, did this year. I see it hurting them to the point where I don't think they'll be a home team in the playoffs, much like we got to see them last season in the wild card. But I still think they're going to be there just off of the arm of Deshaun Watson. And uh, looking at it, this last pick was kind of tough for me when I was trying to decide between the Bills because I Bills and Denver because I do think that uh, McDermott has put together a winning culture, a defensive culture there. I think that the door is wide open for them if they really were able to compete with Belichick and now that he has Cam Newton. But I really see Denver using the motivation of the Chiefs being good to continue to develop Drew Locke and some of the weapons that they've been able to acquire for him. Now, there are seven teams in the playoffs this year. It's pretty much going to be, for me, it's 50-50 going to be between the Bills and Broncos. I could make a case for both. I could make a case for both making, both not making. Here's the only case that matters. While Drew Locke at no point in his career has really shown to be a clutch closer and a clutch finisher, he is still better. He's still a better player than Josh Allen is. And I don't care what Josh Allen did last year or what he did in his first season in the NFL. That doesn't concern me because Drew Locke showed a lot of really good potential and growth in a short amount of time with Vic Fangio in Denver. And you know, John Elway hates the Chiefs. The Chiefs have just absolutely belittled and embarrassed the Broncos this year the last few seasons so I think they're going to be hot and angry to come try to knock the Chiefs off the mountain because you know Denver they thought they had that superiority complex over folks from KC for a while and I actually got a chance to go out to Denver the Denver Colorado Colorado in general this past winter on vacation and, you know, they're just kind of people looking around at me and my Patrick Mahomes jersey and shaking their head. I think that feeling's kind of infected the whole city in a way to where I think that they're going to try to go all out to try to beat the Chiefs in the next four years. Now, they're the only team in the AFC West I think is going to be able to compete with the Chiefs for probably the next couple of seasons. So those are my last two. It could be a toss, and I got it's going to be a dead toss-up between me for – Bills and Broncos, though, for that last one. But do I do expect the Texans to make it again? Yeah, I, I, you. Anytime Deshaun Watson lines up, it's tough to bet bet against him. The guy's won at every level that he's ever played at, and you know, like you said, despite all of Bill O'Brien's efforts to not put a surrounding cast around him, he's. I think he still will be able to to make enough happen where they they'll definitely compete. They always do. They'll always be right there. I'm sure. But this was a fun one, man. I had a lot of fun. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you and what you're working on? All right, y'all. So you can find me on Twitter at CJ Scoops. I've been busy with a lot of different things going on lately. So I've taken a little 
break from the column I'd been working on, which is the GMKC. You can still go check out the old articles on the website. And right now, pretty much all I'm really working on right now is I've been working on getting stuff ready for our draft prog project that we're not going to hit on too much now, but you guys will probably have started to see some slight glimpses of something that we've been working on getting ready to start working on very hard so there's that also keep an eye out i'm gonna keep tweeting more good old-fashioned will shields just because i want everybody to know how dominant he actually was as a player and how hard it is to play the offensive line position for as good as he did for as long as he did and also keep another eye out you know thursdays or fridays i'm usually posting like some sort of a Mahomes clip just so we can all appreciate how good his game is Oh, but also, I wouldn't ex- probably expect to see some more defensive tweets. I'd like to get some clips out from Tyron Matthew here pretty soon. So keep an eye on that. Again, at CJ Scoobs. Justin, what are you working on, bud? Yeah, I've got the uh, Power Rankings Digest that I, I do every week coming out. Um, might be having another one come out tomorrow, so be on the lookout for that. You can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617, but definitely be on the lookout. Like I said, I posted some clips of uh, the Ravens and Lamar Jackson against the Buffalo Bills this past year. Did a little breakdown of that. Um, But, yeah, keep following us. Keep listening, guys. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Make sure you're downloading, subscribe, click, share it around, do whatever you can. We want to hear from you. So if you got feedback, if you got opinions, Let us know on Twitter. Let us know in the comments. Do all that fun stuff. But we appreciate you being here, everybody. Do something great. Be kind to someone. Say thank you. Tell your parents you love them. Do all that good stuff, guys, and we'll talk to you next time. Yep, take it easy, everybody.